Welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast. Safer Shoftim, the Book of Judges, in the Downstream from Religion series. Feel free to email me with your comments or questions. Rabbi at RabbiBailey.com We are studying the Shofet Ehud, Paragimel, it's 3, 12 through 30, Yudbeis through Lamed. One of the key ways to influence or take down a country is to take hold through the educational system. False ideas entering the mind are similar to illnesses infecting the body, writes Professor Gad Saad in his book, The Parasitic Mind. Once those false ideas take hold of the mind, they impact all aspects of thinking. An example of this, Yuri Bezmanov, a former KGB agent who worked in India, came over to Canada and visited the U.S. in the 70s and 80s. He revealed over the U.S. airwaves in the 80s how the KGB influenced other countries and peoples. 85% was psychological warfare, PSYOPs. A major part of this is through education. See his four-step process that he took, demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and normalization in the videos and write-ups online. But part of demoralization is to infect the educational system. Unfortunately, the educational systems in the U.S., many places in the world, parts of Israel, have been infected by false beliefs. So with culture being downstream from religion, if someone has a crumbled religion, so to speak, a subversive ideology, destructive ideology and beliefs, what is downstream from that is corrupt, destructive culture. In ancient times, false ideas were promulgated through Avodazara, foreign service, otherwise known as idolatry. So in Paragimel, over here in chapter 3 of the book of Shoftim, the beliefs of Eglon, Melech Moab, Eglon, the king of Moab, and the correcting of those beliefs by the Shofet Ehud serve as parallel lessons to what I just mentioned, to infectious beliefs. Starting over here inside, Hashem strengthens Eglon, king of Moab, over Israel because they did what was evil in the eyes of Hashem. They needed to be corrected and fixed to continue the seven-step program to get to Malchus. He gathered himself and the children of Ammon and Amalek and struck Israel and took possession of the city of Date Palms, Yericho, and the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. We must understand why Moab has to be sent with its sister nation, Ammon, why they recruited Amalek, why he's called Eglon, which means a calf, a fat calf, veal man, why Yericho was destroyed, and why they were conquered. So the children of Israel cried out to Hashem. He set up for them a savior, a Moshiach, Ehud ben Gera from Benyomin. He had a withered right hand, therefore he had a strong left hand. So why is he chosen? And why does the story go on here to talk about how he made a sharp sword, 
which he hid in his body, and he gives all these details of how he killed Eglon. And why was this such a, such a successful victory? Ehud takes a sword, puts it on his right side. Because he is left-handed, he will draw it across his body, whereas most people who are right-handed will draw that sword from the left side out from the sheath. He puts it on his right side, and he goes, and he tricks Eglon's officers to allow him to enter the chamber. They search his left side, and they feel nothing. He comes, and he has a pretext. He says he has a message for King Eglon. He says he wants to speak it alone. He comes in there. These details are apparently important. When Eglon hears the name of Hashem, the Jewish God, he actually stands up. After that, Ehud plunges his sword into Eglon's gigantic stomach. He's, uh, Ehud sneaks out and goes to Harephraim. So why does he go to Ephraim? And he cries out. Why does this become such a um, successful little mini-campaign against everyone? Why is Israel rallied, mustered up to be united against this? So we have to go back to the most basic elements of Chesed and Gevura. And if we, again, if you don't like the Kabbalistic parlance, please just bear with me because these are ideas that are tangible. Sociology, sociology, uh, psychology, etc. So Eglon was a very fat man. As it says, he's brie. He was healthy. And in those times, you know, being actually not, not being emaciated, being someone who was larger was considered positive in some ways. Obviously, we know health risks, but he was a very large man. He did not discern what he ate. He just ate. Um, and he also was not discerning when it came to the lowercase g gods, to the Avodazaras. Partook and he believed in all the different gods that were out there. So when Ehud comes, he really begins to fight against this generalized belief system. After all, isn't it quite ridiculous? If you believe in everything, you actually believe in nothing. I mean, scientifically speaking, if you believe that God A from Religion A is the power god. If there's a Zeus in this religion, if there is a Ra in this religion, if there's a Osiris in this religion, how could it possibly be that they're all the god of power? How could it be that several female god, lowercase g goddesses, are the head of fertility from this culture? It's rather asinine. It's actually it's a type of chesed. It's an unhealthy chesed to be nondescript and all-inclusive. And if you take it a step further... Hamarachim al Hagzarim, Hamarachim al Hagzarim, Mishachzer al Rachmanim. If someone is merciful to the cruel, they will be cruel to the merciful. Alternative Girsa, they will become cruel like them. So if you actually accept all nations and all religions, you're accepting those that are cruel and abusive. You end up being cruel to the people that those cruel people are cruel to. So you're, you're, uh, validating cruel people. the pe Those cruel people are cruel to merciful people. By extension, you're being cruel to them. In the end, you will have to be cruel like them. If you don't take the initial steps to squash Sheker, falsehood, 
you yourself will end up having to be cruel because you're you're going to accept evil and become cruel like the evil, God forbid, or you will end up having to come with much stronger aggression to stop the evil out there. So we begin with these most basic elements of unhealthy chesed, and we end up with some kind of gavura, some kind of unhealthy power. We begin with openness and acceptance, but it's taken too far. This is this is Eglon with Moav. Moav, uh, Eglon, as I said, is, is overly accepting, non-discerning. Moab is a nation that Rus comes from. It's identified as Chesed. And I will argue that Ammon is a nation of Gevura. Simple elements of Chesed and Gevura. Go back to Lot. Lot was someone who walked with Avraham. Avraham was someone who walked past Lot, Noah. Noah is someone in the Sefer Boratius who did wonderful things, but he never quite took that step to walk in front of Hashem. Chazal tell us. Avraham even though he's identified as chesed, that chesed is not just emotional kindness. It is girding oneself to fight for life and for sustenance and faith, those most basic elements. And Lot, he, he just doesn't want to always be involved in that outward giving. He wants to preserve himself. He goes to Sodom, the most selfish place in history, to preserve his lot, Lot's lot. When that is destroyed... He finds himself with his daughters in the mountains. He ends up having children with his daughters. Moab, the daughter, says, This child is from my nation. It's not Esneas, but Amon. His other daughter calls their child from my people. She's more Gavur. She's more hiding her shame of the incest. So Amon and Moab, oh, Amon being Gavura. Moab being chesed, Amon sort of being a dis more discerning, self-control or aggression nation, Moab being about giving or about acceptance, Moab gives birth to Rus. Rus comes and redeems her own chesed background to one that's not idolatrous and accepting of too many false ideologies. It ends up being one that is chesed, is about kindness, actually abdication of the self. It says that she totally dedicated herself to Yahadus. And at the end, a baby is born to Naomi. A baby, Rose finally has this child and she totally abdicates herself, doesn't exist, and the baby becomes Naomi's because that is the ultimate chesed, is to give outside of oneself to be independent. And that's what comes to Malach. He's someone who does not, the, malach, the healthy malchus that he has is, is the humility of not having a self, just pure will and faith in Hashem, Kaddish Baruch Hu. I will go and defeat him, and Hashem will help me. So tracking back that line, Eglon, unhealthy chesed, non-discerning. Moab and Amon, non-discerning. They come along. They become the chesed test for the step one in our progression. We had a snail ben kanaz, the flash in the pan of malchus, of kingship and commanding behavior. But now we have to have a chesed lesson. If you picture the land of Israel, picture that triangle we talked about, picture a pyramid pointing up. Now take that pyramid and turn it 90 degrees counterclockwise so the pointer is to the left. That's our land of Israel. The right side is the Jordan River, it's a tall line, and the point points to the left. So in the middle of that tall line on the right, you have that Dead Sea there. To the right is where Moab comes from. 
Amun and Moab are in the Transjordan region. Ava Hayardain. They cannot cross directly through the Dead Sea. They go around the Dead Sea to Yericho. Look at that. We're back to Lot. We're back to salt as a preservative. Check out what I write in the Seven Ways about that. Salt's a preservative. It's the ultimate gevura, preserving something else. They circumvent where Lot and his daughters were. The nation's coming back to Israel. They take Yericho. So Yericho here called the city of date palms because that is sustenance. The first step of chesed is not loving kindness. It is sustenance, existence. You're allowed to exist. Gevura, should you exist? Should we give to you? So Yericho being a land of sustenance, and it's the first city that they conquered as they went into Israel. Incredible. So step one in their conquering, conquering of Israel was retracted, essentially. The huge symbolic victory was taken back. Moab comes here. So the ultimate way to fight against being nondescript would to be more specific. But Amalek is here. Why is Amalek here? Amalek is a nation that cannot stand excitement of religion. All religions mean, if you accept all religions, you're kind to all religions, you will be cruel to the Jewish people because they're so fervent. How can you be so fervent about what you believe? Amalek comes like a fat man jumping in the bathtub. There's that fat man again, jumping in the bathtub to cool off those Jews. They, they're just too excited. They're coming out of Mitzrayim. All the Nisim happened there. Amalek can't stand it. They, in, in Shamos, they attack the women and children from behind to cool off the excitement, the religious fervor that the Jewish people have. B'nai Yisrael is cooled off and starts to have doubt. So in our parak here, Parak Gimel of Shoftim, chapter 3, they are hired guns, as they are multiple times, to be anarchists, to make people doubt their faith. Israel is not fully conquered. It has this Swiss cheese, these holes of city-states of idolatrous countries. Amalek comes to keep them detached. Amalek is a hired gun here to team up with the totalitarian regime to make anarchy. This is also something happening in our society. You know, Again, strong people with an agenda are hiring anarchists to come and burn and destroy cities. And even people who think they agree with those ideologies realize, no, those are not ideologies of fair protest and equality. They are pure destruction and they're financed, etc. That's why these nations are chosen. The first step to attack ideology, don't let the Jewish people get the chesed off the ground. Don't let them get their excitement and their happiness off the ground. What's the opposite of this chesed is discernment. Let's start with a chazal about, Eg about Eglon and then come back to Ehud and his victory. I finally understand. After all these years, I finally understand. 19 years later, this passage. Rus, Midrash Rabbah Rus, similar in, something similar in Sanhedrin and Perichelech. Eglon. Ra Rabbi Beval said in the name of Rabbi Ruvain, Rus and Orpah were daughters of Eglon. As it says, I have a secret message for you. That's our passage in Shoftim. Gimel Yudtes 319. The king, meaning Eglon, said, Silence, everyone. 
and he stood up. It is written, when Ehud approached him, Ehud said, I have a message for you from Hashem, from God. He rose from his seat, Pasuk 20, and he said to him, the Holy One, blessed be he, said, you stood. Then this is not in the Pasuk, this is the Midrash. Hashem, Akash Baruch says, you, Eglon, stood from your throne for my glory as you live. I swear, I will cause you to have rise from you someone, a son, sitting on the throne of Hashem. So, okay, I mean, it's nice that Eglon did a little covet. He threw some respect, some props at Kodesh Baruch Hu. Why is it such a big deal here? Maybe he should have a little Nachas Ruch or five minutes in Gan Eden. For what reason is it such a big deal? Now we understand in context. This was the only time we see Eglon being discerning. He actually plucked one of the many gods he believed in. And, oh, Hashem, I'll respect Hashem. And he was actually discerning for a minute. And that showed that he should be rewarded. When he's being more discerning, it gives birth to chesed to be available to be around. Ah, it's beautiful. It's the opposites. So let's go to Ehud. His name, his very name, actually relates to sharp. Had, had. Means the sharp son of Gera. Now, it could be Gar living, like we'll see with Shamgar, but I think it could be darshaned as an arrow, son of an arrow. He's, he's being, he has one point in time, he's shooting it forth. He takes his sword, and he puts it into the place. Eglon is unhealthy chesed. Now, chesed, remember, is everything being included. Imagine a big rectangle with, all the tiny dots in there, all the little pratim, all the pratim are in the claw. Everything's included. Gavura means you have one little prat. He took his sword and stuck it into Eglon saying, you know what? Everything is not the answer. Everything is nothing. If I'm discerning about one particular matter, this is actually healthier and better. It's a gorgeous idea. Being discerning is paradoxically more settling. You know, if you have a belief and your neighbor has a different belief, but you're both secure with that, that's actually more settling. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no ramification. Nobody's being rude to anybody else. But if you say you must accept everything, you end up being cruel. This is what's going on. And uh, progressively, as I said here in June of 2021, progressively, pun intended, over the past 60 years, uh, to be people are so open-minded, their brain falls out. They're so open-minded, they have to hurt other people. So, for a long time, one of the ideologies is called postmodernism. Postmodernism means everybody has different opinions and everyone's right. Everyone should be accepted, my friend. Uh, but truth be told, we should try to be polite to others, but it's not possible for there to be multiple truths. It's okay to say, I believe something, you believe something, that's fine. The good part of that is that maybe there could be multiple readings of a text, but if you start to insert corrupt ideas and, and interpretations of a text in university that don't have a basis or logic or grounded aspects, that's destructive. And I had a client who told me 
nowadays they talk about post-Dadaism. All the corporations in the world are so stressful. Meanwhile, the corporations are working together with the destructive governments and ideologies, of course. Um, uh, the, the, everything is so stressful that there's no more art and logic. Everything is so discombobulated. Well, I think that destroying the substance and form of art, saying there's no chesed and gavura, will lead to art not capturing anything. But guess what? People can still be creative even today. It doesn't feel like you know, unique creativity is happening when people actually buckle down and spend the time on it. Indeed, there is beautiful creativity happening. It is merely another psyop to tell us that nothing at all is discerning. The lesson is to be like Ehud, to be Chad. He uses cunning at an appropriate time. He is the first uh, Mossad agent that we applaud. He, he shows that being non-discerning is not proper. We must be discerning. The way he positions his sword, the words that he uses, the way he tricks everyone, that is extremely important to be discerning, to elevate oneself past the generic aspects of chesed in order to put his foot down. And he goes to Harafraim, this huge prominent chunk of land within uh, Israel, the center of Israel, and everyone is so um, happy and inspired that they are more discerning. You know, we shall see there's a constant thread of Yosef and Benjamin being separate from Yehuda and the other brothers. This is a a rift that happened with Yosef and Yehuda that keeps going on for generations. Um, he goes, Ehud here goes to Harfraim, you know, the Yosef brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, at the time, Yosef's brothers argued that they will be too open to secular culture. See chapter 6 of the Seven Ways. Um, they will be so open to secular culture that it will cause a lot of idolatry and influence from outside. So I think it's very poignant here that Ehud runs to Har Ephraim and he says, you know, Ephraim, Manasseh, anyone who might succumb to secular influence, unlike Yehuda and strong people, which does happen later, but that's the that's just, that's the seeming uh, thought. You know, Ephraim, Yos the Yosef people, you can be discerning. You can put your foot down. And once Eglon, the large, fat, non-discerning man is gotten rid of, Moab is discombobulated, and the Jewish people subjugate Moab under the hand of Israel. They were tranquil for 80 years. They were subjugated for 18 years, almost a generation, almost half of a generation. They get two generations of peace out of this, and Chesed is all about a reboid. It's about uh, things being expanded and large and flowing and going and giving form to it later. So they're given here because they learned their chesed lesson. They're given here long years of respite in order to keep their healthy discernment going. So may we all understand what it means to be including and excluding, to have religious fervor and excitement, and to be dedicated to our religion because that creates extremely healthy culture down the road, down the stream. Thank you for listening to the Seven Ways Podcast. Say for Shoftim, 
the Book of Judges, Downstream from Religion series. Feel free to email me with comments and questions to Rabbi Bailey at rabbibailey.com. 